welcome to the Birth Trauma Mama podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Summers, a licensed therapist and birth trauma survivor. This is a space where we talk about what it means to experience trauma during a time that we expected to be one of the best of our lives. This stuff is dark and it's messy, but we're here to shine a light on it. We're here to hold your hand as you walk through the darkness. We're here to show you that the light exists and we're going to help you find it. So wherever you are, take a deep breath, settle in, and let's do this. On today's episode, we are joined by Nicole Purnell, who is the program director at Mama's Voices, the first ever maternal health patient advocacy coalition. Nicole shares her story of preeclampsia and help syndrome, which resulted in a placental abruption and the stillbirth of her son at 34 weeks. Nicole then shares how this led to her becoming a maternal health advocate, and she has done so much incredible work in this space over the past 15 years. And what I'm most excited about in this episode is for you all to learn about Mama's Voices, because it is an organization that you can be a part of, and you can tell your story and be able to advocate for maternal health in your area and nationally. And it's just this really, really cool way to feel the importance of your story, again, in this space of maternal health. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the Birth Trauma Mama podcast. Um, Like we just said, it's been like months in the making trying to get our schedules to somehow align and fit together, but we did it. We're here. We we drug ourselves to our computers. We'll give ourselves some tax for that. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm so excited just to be able to talk to you about so many of these topics that resonate with our community and the work that you all do with Mama's Voices. So first, I want to start with like you. <laughs> How did you come into this space? What had you interested in Mama's Voices and doing all of this wonderful advocacy and support work? So really started um, with the birth of my son, now almost 18 years ago, his 18th birthday's not far away. And um, I was young and naive and had all the great plans of um, what childbirth would be like and what being a mom would be like. I know I had a plan. I was like, I want three by 30 and I'm done. No more. And, you know, we plan God laughs. at the end of my pregnancy, I mean, I, most of my pregnancy really felt normal and just was great. I mean, I was sick. We're all sick, uh, tired. I live in Texas. I had allergies. Oof. And uh, so constantly just felt like I couldn't breathe. And at the end of it, it was, um, there were definitely red flags, but I was also not educated and I wasn't aware and I didn't know how to advocate for myself. And so, um, at the end of my pregnancy, what ended up happening was at 34 weeks, I had a placenta abruption mm-hmm. and um, my son was still born that later that day. And I was continued to decline from severe preeclampsia and help syndrome wow. and spent uh, five days in ICU and then five more days in post-op before I was released and we came home to have a funeral. So Um, after not long after that, I was searching for what in the hell just happened to me? Like, what did I just go through? Did I do this to myself? I knew that before that had happened, we had had the discussion preeclampsia that come up 
Um, but I did not know how serious it could be. And at that time, you know, I had my what to expect while expecting book and and mm-hmm. I opened that up and there was like one little paragraph about that. Yeah. And so I thought the worst case scenario could be that I get put on bed rest. Um, I just, am, you know, sit out on the couch, camp out on the couch, put my feet up, relax. Um, but uh, little did I know. And so I was I was very concerned about making sure we had <laughs> freezer meals mm-hmm. ready to go for when we brought that baby home. And and I was not, uh, I would say, a good patient. I, bed rest to me was like we went over to a friend's house and played uh, Trivial Pursuit, but I was sitting. So, you know, that's, that's good. Right. So very thankful for the the medical team that I had. I had an OB that left her ego at the door. And the things that I do remember is that, you know, she, she called in different help. I had cardiology, I had nephrology, there was general surgery, there was other OBs. Um, I remember yelling at a few of them because there was just so much pain, but um, they were all there and they, they helped me get through it. And there were small victories um, coming out of that. And so when I got home and I was just trying to do some research and find out what happened, I found the Preeclampsia Foundation. And um, they, at that time, had message boards and forums. This was back before, it's been 18 years before Facebook. We were still in MySpace back then. Yeah. And there was, a, there was a section that was for grief and loss. And I really connected with those women there. Um, to me, it was a little bit different than infant loss support groups because there's a lot of different reasons to be there. And there's so much that we grieve when we go through this kind of birth trauma. There is not just the grieving, the loss of our children, if that happens. It is that dream delivery. You know, it's that, oh, this is what we're going to wear on the way home. This is the matching outfits we're going to have. It's the nursery. It's the baby showers. It's the things that we don't get to experience that we also grieve. And so those women really, really understood it differently than a parent that had lost a child to SIDS or a court accident, which are also traumatic, but there's just different experiences there. And so that really helped me through um, those really dark days, honestly. And and after that, I said, you know, I wanted to help other people uh, realize that they can get through that as well and that they can find purpose to that pain um, and they can leave that legacy for their child that's not with them anymore. And so I started volunteering with the Pre-Eclampsia Foundation. Um, probably a year or so later, I started volunteering and I chaired the Dallas Promise Walk for Pre-Eclampsia for 10 years. And I was ready to step back from that. I've done my fair share of, of planning and having Promise Walk stuff all over my house yeah. um, all the time. And I've been working a corporate job as a project manager. And I just said, you know what? Keep me in mind if something comes up in the future. And it just so happens they have gotten this big grant from from others to start Mama's Voices. And the timing was perfect. And um, interviewed with them and started almost now five years ago. So it's been five years. It's been five years. It was October of 2018. So almost five years. That's incredible. And then it's just taken off like crazy now. Yeah. Well, thank you first, Nicole, for, for sharing your story with us. And I'm so sorry for the loss of, of your baby. Um, I know it's not easy to share these stories and to be in this space, but, um, I really appreciate the way you talked about 
the supportiveness, not only once you were postpartum and trying to reach out to other moms and parents with similar experiences, but also from your medical team, it sounds like, or at least from your OB specifically, and how important that was for your um, recovery and healing. It was really interesting. The first um, Mama's Voices Summit that we had was in 2018, and I actually wasn't officially sacked then, but I went to the event and I, we had gotten a grant from her in August and the event was in October. So the pre-Quincy Foundation staff did a lot of work in that time to make it a universal event. I say Mama's Voices is agnostic. And I knew Miranda from the AFE Foundation. We had worked some events together over years previously, but I didn't know much else. And it was so interesting to me when we shared a, a cab together from the airport to the hotel. And I'm talking to these Akrita survivors and we're all not comparing stories and like a, whose story's worse than the next, but we found universal ground. I'm like, I thought I had a lot of blood transfusions and for a pre-clean patient, I did, but compared to an Akrita patient, nothing. Yeah. Compared to an AFE patient, that was nothing. And so like we found this common ground to bond under. And that's what the beauty is of Mama's Voices is that we are really bringing in those moms and those families that have those similarities of we did, we lost so much. We lost so much innocence yes. and, and we are able to connect um, in a way that we're, we're doing something about it. Yeah. I love that. I think truly there is such connection in the impact um, and that's where I always find so much connection in, in my community is that there's so many different birth trauma stories, right? But where we are all tied together is the impact that it's had on our lives and continues to have on our lives. And like, what do we do with that? How do we heal, um, et cetera. And so I, I love that you spoke to that because I couldn't agree more. And I do feel like Mama's Voices is such a, a cool place for that and a place for people to really find their purpose. Um, so I'm wondering, can you tell the listeners who haven't heard of Mama's Voices or maybe have heard of it, but aren't really sure about it, what the heck Mama's Voices is, since we've now referenced it like <laughs> a million times. <laughs> yes. So um, Mama's Voices, it's a coalition to start off with. So we have more than 20 different organizations that are part of the coalition right now. I honestly, it's hard for me to keep track because we've been very busy this summer. We've had a lot of new ones. But we wanted to be a place where um, anyone that had, had a pregnancy or birth um, that was impacted and traumatic and didn't go the way you wanted it to go, that there was a place for you to have your voice heard. So some of the conditions that are out there, uh, there's not a national yep. uh, patient advocacy organization like the AFE Foundation or the Preclancy Foundation. They don't have a home. Yep. And so we can be that home and we can connect um, in that way with those patients and those survivors and family members and even close friends. So we, um, we came together and we kind of it took us a lot of time to figure out what the heck we were doing, but uh, we had developed a training. It's an online course for those people with lived experience. And it really walks them through, um, for starters, what's unique about it is we have a whole module on birth trauma. And let's talk about birth trauma because some people don't even realize that's what they experienced. Yeah. And they don't know what that label is. Mm -hmm. And so we provide them with some tools and some resources as well. Um, because we don't want to re-traumatize people, but we want them to have um, the space to recognize where their trauma is and where they're at in their healing journey. 
So if they need to pause and say, you know what, this really isn't for me, that's great. I love to actually hear that because that means that it's working. And when we're able to utilize this, we're here for you when you're ready. If you're ready, you know, come back and we'll be here. So we take those um, folks through our training. They become certified PFPs, patient family partners, and we match them with opportunities. We get requests from across the country, um, sometimes outside the country, actually, of people that are looking for, I want to work with a patient. I need a patient voice involved in this project. Do you have someone we can work with? Absolutely, we do. Yeah. And so we match them up with those opportunities. And it's beautiful to see how some of them have really healed through that training, healed through that journey and grown so much through that. Yeah. It is re- it's really cool to be able to see from even the outside um, how these opportunities are not only like helping people heal and supporting them in this process and giving that, we were talking before we got on I think we've considering the positions we're both in, I think we've both felt this way and you kind of explained it like there is this deep urge um, when you survive a birth trauma to just like help someone else, like because we were so lonely and I was so desperate. I'll speak for myself. um, And I felt like no one else in the world got what I was going through. And I never wanted anyone else to feel that way. Exactly. Kind of like you had said. And so, so many people come out of these experiences and feel the same exact way and don't know how to like hone that or um, actually do something with it. And it can be really frustrating actually, which is why I've loved being able to refer people to Mama's Voices because there's this very specific way that they get to do that. And you can reach so many people. And my original point that I got lost in when I said not only this, that's the one side, that's the amazing side, right? But the other really cool side is that now hospitals, conferences, all of these people are able to reach out to um, an organization that is trusted to be able to easily get a patient voice and a patient experience, which so often honestly is missing in the work and the research um, and the trainings that we're doing. Yeah, we we talk so much with those that are going through our, our patient family partner training about we want to make sure that when we're matching with opportunities and engagements that we're solution focused and we're looking at how we can partner together to find, to build those solutions. And so then when I'm talking to healthcare providers and saying, we are same thing, like we're looking for solution focused people. We also, the reason why people want to do this, it's not um, to bring their pitchforks out. We're not the pitchforks and, and, you know, fire on a stick people, but it is to make the next person's experience better than our own. It's so altruistic. The people that I've talked to that like absolutely could have gone and sued that facility or sued that provider. But I knew I could have such a greater impact if I worked with them to improve their processes. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is hard. <laughs> Validating for everyone out there who's like, I could never. Totally fair. Um, mm-hmm. And this is also an option and an opportunity um, if that is kind of the way you lean with your story, but I like that altruistic lens. Cause I, I fully believe in it. Um, people who are wanting to share the story aren't wanting to share it in a way that's like, I hate everyone. <laughs> like, and they're sharing it because they want to empower others to advocate for themselves. Right. We see so much of that. Um, and they also want to empower medical professionals to listen to their patients and to have that collaborative care. Um, that we so desperately want as patients. 
I was at an event earlier this week with a uh, hundred different healthcare providers and we did a speed dating where I got to sit down and talk with all the hospitals and, uh, you know, we were just talking about how, how impactful it is for them to come to these events and to hear patients sharing their stories and to illustrate, you know, we don't have it all right, but that's this team's working on it. We're making improvements. And this is why, like it puts that face to the data. It puts a story and a family behind, like, this is what is happening. And it's not just a data point. It's not just something that we read on paper. It's not um, a press gamey response, survey response. This actually does happen. And to hear from someone that lived through it, um, what, what an impact it made on their future. Yeah. And I think a, a lot too, I, I was just, um, speaking to some L&D nurses out in Pittsburgh. And I think what also makes such an impact is telling, like sharing with them, at least from my perspective, that the amount of clients that show up in my office and say, you know, I had this horrific experience, it was devastating, but there was that one nurse, there was that one doctor, even in your story, right? There was that one OB, like you get to be that person in someone else's story and you are that person in someone else's story and my goal is to just support you in continuing to do that and find other ways to do that it's not like you're doing all the stuff wrong and you're the worst it's like you are this person in so many stories and let's figure out how to continue that process and make sure that you get to be that person in more people's stories if this stuff has to happen the stuff that of course is unpreventable right and and two they need that help Mm -hmm. So the ones that come to the conferences, yep. they're, you know, there's, they're just one of, of many that are on a unit. And so it helps them to go back to the unit and to share with their team members or staff. This is why it's important mm -hmm. and to get their, their buy-in as well um, on making these improvements and projects. And it makes their jobs harder. Yes. But it is, um, you know, they have more things they need to do and more checklists mm -hmm. and more surveys and more questions. Yeah more things to enter into the EMR. Um, but there's a reason behind it. Right. And there's a family behind it. Exactly. Like you said, mm -hmm. and I think that makes that listener, um, not listener, that, uh, patient story <clears throat> makes such a big difference in, in care. Um, and it's really cool to see mama's voices creating that connection. Mm -hmm. So how do people get involved? How, if someone was like, oh my God, I'm listening to this podcast. Yes, this, this is what I want to be a part of. What can they do? So um, we have on our website on mamasvoices.org, we have um, a whole section for patients, families, patients and families. And underneath there is our patient family partner training. And you can click on that um, and go to our training. There are any of the organizations that are part of our coalition, they have free coupon codes for our training. So that is a benefit to them. So if you're connected with one of them, like, hey, I want to take this training and I want to get involved and I want to be an ambassador for our organization. And I want to be a voice, not just for what I experienced, but also for the cause. And um, we can get you set up and then we just love to love on people. So bring them in and, and take care of them very well. Yeah. That's incredible. And can you just maybe leave our listeners with a few tips around maybe sharing their story? Because um, I, I think that a lot of people don't know, aren't aware that it, it's a craft. Like that's why you have a whole training on it. 
Um, and it's, it's hard to tell, it seems like, oh, I'll just tell my story. Um, I know very much from experience that is not how it goes. If you go into an event and you're like, I'm just going to tell my story. Um, and so I'm curious if you just have some tips that you have shared with those along the way, um, that have been helpful for people who are going to share their story. Yes. One of the things that I did pretty quickly after I had my son, um, was I wanted to write everything out before I forgot it. And I knew this, unfortunately, wasn't the first time I had gone through something life-changing. And so I knew the longer the time goes, the fuzzier it's going to be. And I needed to put it all down before I lost the details. And just recently, I realized actually how that how that's helpful for PTSD um, and that. So it's actually one of the steps in our training is just write it all out. Just get it all out. Purge it. Put it all out there. And then we're going to work with you on starting to um, bring out what those key messages are. What are the things that if this had maybe happened differently, maybe if the protocol had been followed here, this would have changed your experience or your outcome. Finding where those communication gaps are, where those learning opportunities are for people to hear your story. And we just continue to, to narrow it down from there. But the first step is just get it all out. Um, and then we'll start working with it. There's a lot of times you'll see if you're reading stories or listening to folks, there's a lot of extra details that they might put in there um, that aren't really necessary. They're important to what happened to them, but the listener gets lost in those details. And so we want to make sure that we're staying very focused on what the pieces are that can make change. Yeah. And I think um, hearing you say the pieces, paying attention to the pieces that can can make change really has me remembering and wanting to remind people that we're not saying like, don't, you know, leave every detail out because it's not important. It's because we, and I talk to people who I do listener podcasts with when we try to keep them between like 20 and 30 minutes, not because I don't care and don't want you to do a super long podcast. It's because we lose people listening to your story and we lose the ability to make those changes that are so important in your case with mama's voices and people sharing their story. Um, so it's not like a, we don't care <laughs> or other people won't care, but it's that you do unfortunately lose people and therefore mm -hmm. you don't have the same impact that we want you to be able to have. Right. Yeah, it's hard though. And that's, it's all tied to trauma as well as we know. Um, it can be really hard to shorten that story once you get started. So that's why I love what you all are doing um, and helping others do that. We'll usually do like I did. So it was an event this, like I mentioned earlier this week with some patients and they were sharing their stories. And before we even got to the two weeks ago, the three of us met just, just us. And we just, okay, just share with me. Yep. And I took so many notes from them. And so then I knew as I was facilitating the discussion, like this is where we're going to go. And I could kind of guide that. I knew, like, okay, these are the key messages. These are really things that were important. We want to make sure that the audience knows and they hear about from you. So we just help them kind of mold and guide and, and um, get them through that story. Yeah, it's the perfect go-between um, that has never really existed before um, between providers, people who are putting on conferences, medical community in general, and patients. Um, and it's really getting the most impact out of patient stories, which is really cool. And it really just you know started with, um, I'm not a clinician, I have no right. clinical background. 
And then I'm just like, I just go into these meetings. I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about here. And so I would take, I had a notebook that first year and I would just like all the jargon, just continuing to add to that. And so it's like, how can we make this easier again for the next person so that they don't have to learn the hard way like I did coming to this and being a maternal health advocate. And so that's where a lot of our training has just come from. Of like, oh yeah, we need to add this to there because that was really hard to understand that. And if I didn't understand it, somebody else is not going to understand it. Exactly. Well, thank you, Nicole, so much. This has been incredible learning both about Mama's Voices and just sharing stories as uh, maternal health advocates in general. Um, So thank you for joining us. And if people want to find Mama's Voices, they have an Instagram. You can go to their website. We'll put it all in the show notes for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'll talk to you soon. enjoyed this episode don't forget to hit that subscribe button and please leave us a review so that other people can find this podcast and hopefully get the support and the validation that they're looking for 